With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Just like that, the second hour is here for Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow across the Outkick Network. Glad you're with us. If you're watching on YouTube, we'll hope you'll subscribe. Uh, hit that like button as you uh, follow along with the show. You can join Chad in the chat as well. Um, and if you haven't subscribed, certainly do that. Pass along uh, the, the show to your friends. We certainly appreciate it, and we appreciate all of the great radio partners across the Outkick Network if you're listening right now. Chad, a lot to get to. Outkick YouTube channel, by the way. The yep. easiest way to find us. Just search Outkick. Uh, <laughs> the echo here, yes. Uh, PGA Tour and Live Tour, they have merged, and there's a lot to get to with that. We've got uh, Mark Canizero from the New York Post uh, who covers the PGA Tour. He'll be with us coming up in an hour. Taking place right now, uh, at least that's the way it was advertised, is Jay Monahan from the PGA Tour speaking with the players at the Canadian Open, which is just getting underway. And there are reports, Chad, that there are players who are not participating in this tournament that have demanded a phone line and a conference line to get in. And as of a couple of minutes ago, that had not been provided to them. <laughs> so buckle up. Because Ooh. I mentioned uh, what, 40 minutes ago or so, 30 minutes ago, if I'm a tour player right now, I am speaking my mind because what good does it do to follow, uh, you know, the, the beta mentality of Jay Monahan today based on the way he treated things a year ago and now and the, the trash that he's pushing out there to grow the game of golf. Don't you think that ultimately Jay Monahan's going to be forced to resign when all this goes through? So this from Dan Rappaport. Asked a bunch of PGA Tour players, how will Jay Monahan survive this? From one just now, quote, he won't, he can't, end quote. But the guy who won't and can't just facilitated this without consulting the players, and that's coming from the players who found out on social media or through the memo that was sent out this morning at 9.55. You wouldn't see this in Major League Baseball. Michael McHenry uh, joins us, uh, MLB analyst, Pirates analyst. Strong union. Great contributor for us here at OutKick. Michael, great to, uh, to have you back on the show. Hope things are well. And let's start with this. Um, you had to push back your, uh, uh, your appointment with us to join because you were in a car accident. I'm, I'm, it appears you're okay because you're joining the show, but I hope everyone's okay and your loyalty will never be questioned. I appreciate it. I just was hoping for a walkout song. Like it came in like a wrecking ball or something. <laughs> but, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it, guys. I love talking to you guys every, every chance I get. You're a blast. I've enjoyed listening to all the stuff you're talking with the live tour. I think it's interesting. What was your reaction when you saw that news today? I think it's going to happen more. I think everybody thinks all these unions are so tight and, and they're in a great place, but MLB, NFL, NBA, there's a reason why they've tried it in the NBA. They've tried it in the NFL before to do something a little bit different. The thing is, is if you can get the players on board, you win. That's all it takes. And with baseball, I think it's really interesting to think about because, you know, it has been a literal, like, 
Nothing else has ever been able to compete with it. Nothing's ever come close. Nothing's ever really been tried except rumors, which happened a couple years ago that I heard about. And the reality of it is, it's such a worldwide sport and the best players aren't necessarily from the United States anymore. So you can look at this a little bit different when you think about MLB and the union player-wise, is it getting stronger or is it getting strong enough, I should say, as the MLB is actually getting because they are just printing money. Jacob deGrom, uh, back to the injured list, the 60-day list. Uh, what do you make of this recent news and the fact that you know he's been banged up? It, it's tough, and that, that, that's why a lot of teams stay away from him. I mean, you're talking about a guy that's five years, 180 million. 180 million. I mean, that's not just a couple cup of coffees. That's a, a franchise or two of all the coffees. I mean, it's remarkable what this guy's made. He's been hurt a lot. If you can get him for a partial time and keep him healthy, but the more he has elbow issues, you got to think. You know, they're probably doing prolo, PRP, all types of different things, probably even stem cell to, to regenerate, regrow these tendons and ligaments that are obviously getting worn and torn. So the fact is he's going to be paid $40 million next year on a team that's going to be really, really good. They're relevant now, top 10 team right now. If they had him, they may be the best team in baseball. So you're just hoping he's okay if you're a Texas Ranger fan and all the other teams are patting themselves on the back for not signing the best player on the mound in the world and said, look, I knew, I knew this was going to happen, but uh, knowing how DeGrom's been, I'm expecting he's trying to pull back, get really, really healthy, really, really strong, and come back where it won't happen again. So 32-year-old Marcelo Zuna is uh, currently playing under a six-year, $36 million contract for the Braves and decides he's going to stop and admire a baseball that goes 415 feet. It needed to go 416 feet to be a home run, and it's a single. And Brian Snicker, while I applaud him for taking him out of the game eventually, waited an inning and a half to do so, but then acknowledged that he was pulled for lack of effort. What do you think about this move? What do you think about Ozuna right now? And, Michael, how many managers across Major League Baseball would pull a player at all uh, for for that lack of effort? If it made them look good, a lot of them. Um, But... If you wait too long, it's over. And Ozuna's got to know his pop. I mean, he's a better hitter than I ever was, but the reality of it is, get out of the box. You're there as a team player. You're not a golfer. You're not a guy playing for yourself. You're not, like you said, a contractor. You are a guy that's under contract, being paid by a team, and you're a veteran. Step up. You've already made enough, you know, of a fuss in the media in the wrong way. You're trying to get your name back, trying to make sure everything goes right. Don't make them continue to have to give you grace. But I do love that they took him out of the game. I don't know why you wait. I mean, he should have been on third base. You know, the only person that should have been on first base is someone that was literally crawling to get to the finish line. I don't know if you guys saw just the other day, uh, Odor hit a ball down the line. And I think he tore his hamstring and waddled to second base for a double. That's how you play. That's how you are remembered as a great teammate, and I played with him, and he was a great teammate. So a college baseball question for you. You've got the situation at Southern Miss where Tanner Hall, great pitcher, a great prospect also, is going to be drafted high in the, in the draft coming up. He throws 123 pitches on Friday night in an NCAA tournament game. Normally he's the Friday pitcher for Southern Miss, waits a week and starts again. But because their season's on the line on Monday – 
he starts and pitches another 127 pitches on Monday. It is, it's something he's done once before, I know. And the player definitely knows his own arm. But this was met with a lot of criticism, Michael. What do you think about the ethics of that? If you're a college baseball coach, putting your pitcher that's got a future making a lot of money as a pitcher in Major League Baseball, putting him in that spot. You said it best. It's his arm. It's his career. He's already got an advisor, and they're going to try to make the best decisions. That kid wants to win. It makes me want to draft him more. The fact that he wants to get out there and try to win. And here, I'm going to make you guys think about something because I hate pitch counts. They should be using the biomechanics they have. They can see the lag. They can see all the things and elements. I won't get into all of it, but here's the thing. Think about college pitchers, okay? Think about how much you hear these top prospects, these top arms being torn down, broken down because of pitch counts. Now do the same in pro ball. Who's winning that war? It's college. There's no doubt in my mind. They throw more. They never stop throwing. They're not put in a cage. Now think about a zoo. Have you ever seen a lion in the zoo? They don't look healthy because they've been caged up. They've been locked up. They're not allowed to be who they normally are. Now let them free. You're terrified that they're going to eat your face off. So I want a bunch of lions that are free. Let them make that uh, statement like, I can't go any further. Or you can see that the ball doesn't have the flight. The spin's not there. There's lag. Or the next day they, they, they pull their scap forward because they put too much pressure. There's telltale signs through and through. And there's so much technology. It's like... We, we just want to always have control over it, but that's never worked in society. That's never worked in sports, and it's not going to work now. We have more technology than ever before. There's more arm surgeries and more injuries in all sports than ever before. Make it make sense. Michael McHenry with us on Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow across the Outkick Network. Michael Soroka uh, optioned down uh, to the minors after two starts in his comeback bid from two Achilles injuries. Uh, and it's, it was a disaster. And the quote after the most recent outing was, that's just not me. Uh, Michael, I'm curious from your experience, just battling injuries, you know, uh, playing in the minors, getting the call up, playing back in the minors. What is this like mentally for a player? How difficult is it to overcome not just the injury, but the idea that you just don't feel the way you did prior to them? I think the biggest thing is the belief the people around you have. You know, you believe you can get through it. Obviously, the product on the field is going to always tell you exactly where you're at. And he's going to actually be a better pitcher in the long run if people say, hey, man, go down there, do your thing, get it right. You're a part of this plan. And I've, I think Atlanta's shown the way that they've locked these guys up over the last three or four years that they've put together a great culture. So they're saying, hey, go down there. We're winning. We're in first place. You have nothing to worry about. Go down there. Be ready to go when your number's called and be the guy you can be now, not the guy you were then. And the fact he's so young, that's that's a big thing. And I and I go back to Charlie Morton and Daniel Bard. When people believed in those two human beings, they didn't understand anything else but go out and dominate. And that's what's going to happen with this kid. He's got that type of people and culture around him that are going to say, hey, we believe in you. We've continued to push forward with you, but this is the plan we have now. And I'd wonder if he didn't say something himself. Like, hey, I'm not ready. I'm hurting this team. Let me go. Because the story's great. It's probably going to bring butts to the seats. But the reality of it is, when you want to win, you want to win. Michael McHenry has been our guest talking Major League Baseball. Final thing for you. What's the best story right now or backstory with the team that's not getting enough attention, not being talked about enough? I, I don't know why everybody's not jumped on Judge right now. He is on fire last I looked. Mm. 
absolutely on fire in the bottom half of the the salary totals look at look at the power rankings that just came out it'll mind boggle you you're talking about pittsburgh baltimore tampa miami arizona the highest salary is arizona 115 remarkable that just shows baseball is a sport that if you have a good team a good culture and a good staff of development you can win Michael, always great to have you on, man. Glad everything is as good as it could be following the, the car wreck earlier. And uh, thank you again for joining us, despite having no reason to based on the circumstances. You are no Marcelo Zuna. You always play through it. You yeah. always hustle. We appreciate that. You for, run through the bag. That's right. Every time. <laughs> I appreciate it. And I, I may start maybe a derby carring or something. So stay tuned. May, may start a new profession. <laughs> I'll feel you. We'll join you. See you, man. Uh, Michael McHenry. <laughs> and I was inspired by the uh, – inspired in reverse, I guess you would say, with the Marcelo Zuna lack of hustle. Go ahead. And I decided with our 8U travel softball team. Go ahead. Had yes. a couple girls not run all the way through the base. <laughs> Wanted to do the whole slow-up thing where they kind of hop to first and travel stop league, there. So I understand the discipline. And getting the out. Well, even in rec ball, I was big on <laughs> – I'd always ask the girls. I said, what is the one thing that will get Coach Chad to nearly have a stroke during a game? All the parents know, all the players know, and, you know, some not running through first base. You know, they'll yell it out every yeah. time. So I rallied the girls up, and I said, two words will define this team, two words only. We run. So we're going to do one, two, three, we run. Every time we gather, we run. What two words define our team? I'll say in between innings. And they'll all chant together, we run. That is in everything. We run to the ball in the field. We run to the bases hard. We run. Run up the scoreboard. That is my message to Marcelo Zuna, Hutton. I've got the same. Well, yeah, we got other teams running the scoreboard on us more than that. But my message to Marcelo Zuna is my same message to my 8U softball team. Run. We run. Don't sit there and watch it. Drives me crazy. NFL players need to run away from the apps that are on their phone uh, for sports betting. John McClain will join us when we come back. It is the topic right now across the NFL as many camps begin this week and continue next week for other teams. There's another player, a, a Colts receiver, a corner, that's getting popped for uh, betting on not just football, betting on the NFL and on the Indianapolis Colts. We'll get John's perspective on this because, on one hand, I think the perception is the NFL has a player betting problem. But if you really think about the number of players in the league compared to the handful that we know about, is there a problem? And does the NFL actually, are they transparent enough with the, the, the punishment that's coming down? We'll get John's take and much more from the headlines across the NFL next on Hot Mike. Glad you're with us. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Hutton Withrow, Hot Mike across the Outkick Network, and we welcome in John McClain. Uh, long time. He's covered the NFL for nearly five decades. He's a Hall of Famer. But we lead off today, John, with the biggest news in the sports world, the PGA Tour merging with the Live Tour. Were you as shocked as we were this morning? I was in total shock when I'd been at the Texans practice this morning. I rushed to my regular Tuesday show on the radio and I got there and they thought I knew about it and I didn't. And they told me and I'm like, wow. And the first thing I thought about is like Rory McIlroy was the most outspoken critic 
And his game is suffering. A lot of people think it's because he devoted so much time to being the leader of the anti-lib tour. But what I really feel bad for is all the guys like Dustin Johnston and Brooks Kepka and all those guys that took $100 million and all the guys that did not out of loyalty like Rory McIlroy and Justin Thomas and Scheffler and all those great golfers, they look foolish now. Is part of the deal that Saudi's going to give all of them $100 million to be fair? Because I would be incredibly bitter if I was them. Like Tiger, what Tiger turned down? $500 million? Now, okay, yeah, he's loaded. But still, if he turned it down and others accepted it, like Phil Mickelson, then where is the fairness in that? They should have just caved and taken that blood money originally. But uh, the fact is, Saudi's got billions and billions and billions. And I'm hope, I hope that the price of playing golf on the PGA Tour now, instead of a last place finisher getting 100, 100 grand, might get a million because those purses need to go way up. I don't like the idea of team golf. I don't like the idea of music blaring on mediocre courses. So I'm hoping when all is said and done and we find out all the details of the PGA selling out, that it will help the members, therefore, get more money for charities because a big portion of every PGA tournament goes to charity. And say a charity gets $10 million a year from, say, the Phoenix Open. Uh, now that they're going to get $20 million a year from the Phoenix Open, I hope that's the case. So, John, now the governor of Saudi Arabia's Sovereign Wealth Fund is the chairman of the board of the entire PGA Tour. Jay Monahan is the CEO uh, over him. But Jay Monahan's not going to survive this, right? This is going to be a resignation after this deal goes through. He has zero integrity at this point. He's already talking about, I understand the criticism, but 10 years from now you'll see this was the right thing. That screams to me of a guy who's about to resign once the paperwork is filed. Well, the guy is the chairman from Saudi Arabia. He cannot be running an American the, the tournament. He just, I mean, the tour. I'm guessing he's name only look good for his country. But if it's not going to be Monahan, it's going to have to be somebody else come in there and oversee everything. Jay Monahan is one of the primary negotiators. I can't wait to see what a lot of the golfers think who were not consulted on it and they found out when everybody else found out. And guys like Dustin Johnson and Brooks Kepka, those guys got to be going, because they were able to play in the majors. Now they'll be able to play in other tournaments and maybe there won't be as much animosity. Maybe there'll be more, but they have to take care of the golfers who turned down a hundred million dollars because they didn't want the blood money and they wanted to be loyal to the PGA Tour. They have to take care of them financially. So, John, we've seen Saudi Arabia now disrupt a sport and force a merger where they now have a seat at the table. Do you feel like this is just the start, and now that they've had a successful trial run on this, the next step is to completely take over an American sport or a global sport just by simply outspending the competition? I'm guessing that's not going to happen. I've never read anything that that was their goal. And maybe it is. 
maybe it'll be Saudi domination, but it's, uh, you know, it's a, it's PGA Tour uh, is for America. He's not, of course, people from all over the world play on the tour, but we think of it as being an American tour because they play here. And uh, I think it's too bad the next Ryder Cup. They couldn't let the Saudi, the Live Tour guys play against the everybody else that turned down that money. But I, I don't know if Monahan's going to be out or if he's negotiated himself a cushy exit uh, exit fee in which he'll be taken care of for life or if he's going to stay around X number of years. But whoever replaces him as the head of the PGA right under the chairman, it's going to have to be somebody who's good. It's going to have to be somebody who's got a real strong personality and doesn't let people push him around. But I'm waiting to see what the golfers think about this, and I'm pretty sure there's going to be a lot of them that are very bitter. John McClain with us on Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow across the Outkick Network. John, does the NFL have a player gambling problem, or is that just the perception based on the, the headline that continues to be one of the headlines each and every week where uh, sports apps are reporting certain activity from players that will result in a suspension? Where do you come down on the number of players? It's really just a handful compared to the players that are in the league. Or do you think we're only seeing a very small portion of it based on what's going on behind the scenes? Well, first of all, you got to be a moron to get caught because there's a way to circumvent it, and you know a lot of guys are doing it. But the NFL makes it clear. Teams make it clear. Everybody that violates the rules knows they're violating the rules, and they deserve whatever penalty they get. Jamison Williams, the Lions, acted like he didn't know about the rules. Well, of course they do. The team tells them over and over and over. Their agents tell them. Their publicists tell them. And, and, and everybody tells them what the rules are. So if it's been like six or seven people, beginning with Calvin Ridley, and you talk about all the players who've come through the NFL the last two years, that isn't even a handful. That's not making a pimple on an elephant's butt. But you got to be naive to think a lot of guys aren't gambling and getting away with it. And if they ever find somebody who bet on his team to lose, that is the worst thing that could possibly happen to the NFL. Well, and John, I think there needs to be some common sense differentiation between the sports that's being gambled on. Right, what Jamison Williams did, well, dumb. I mean, if you're betting on a UFC event on a team bus, let's say on a road trip, and not the NFL, I don't know that that's worthy of a six-game suspension. Now, if Rodgers with the Colts is betting on the NFL and his own team and the Colts, um, that's a problem, yes. right? That's a much bigger problem, and I hope the league sees a difference between those. But if you're Jamison Williams and you've been told not to do it and you know not to do it, don't do it. Why can't you wait? Why do you have to do it? You're breaking the rules. You know you're breaking the rules. Don't be a dumbass. Well, uh, on the same token, John, I think the league took betting money, gambling money, before they actually had a policy thought out. <laughs> There's so many billions to be made. And one reason they're playing so in Germany and more games in Europe it's not just to spread the brand. It's because they've been betting longer and on more things than we have. They're much more sophisticated about it overall. And so they want to get that gambling 
money, not just in Europe, but all over the world. And it could reap, there's, I've heard talk of $100 billion for the NFL over the next five years. And we make jokes about the NFL, you know, needing all the money they could get. These, this price tag of $6.05 million for the commanders, five years from now, it might be going for $20 billion. People look back and go, man, oh, man, what a great deal Josh Harris Group got. And it's going to be because of gambling and streaming rights. You mentioned the billions, and I'm thinking about the new stadiums that are going up or will be built. Uh, they're breaking ground in Buffalo. Meanwhile, what's going on in Chicago? I thought they had purchased land that they're going to build a stadium on, and all of a sudden that deal has fallen through. Yeah, just like what's going on in Vegas with the A's and their land. You know, you don't just snap your fingers and get it done. It seems to me like everything I've been trying to keep up with, the Titans and the government there have done the smoothest job, the one that is not involved in animosity. And I see the money, oh, this stadium is going to be built for $1.5 billion. You, do you possibly believe that by the time this thing is done in 2026 or whenever the bills are going to be in there? No tell how much it would cost. Remember when they started off talking about the new stadium for the Rams and the Chargers is going to be about $2 billion, end up being 5 yeah. So whatever the price is now, by the time it's done, it will skyrocket. It'll take longer than people are thinking. But, boy, once it opens and everybody's got a new stadium and a Taj Mahal, everybody will love it. John, DeAndre Hopkins is going to end up where? He's officially a free agent now. Well, I can tell you where he's not coming. He's not coming to Houston Texans being leaked by a lot of people. One report here said he'd met with the Texans. Not true. He has no interest. They have no interest. He's not met with it. He wants to go where there's a lot of money and where he got a chance to go to the Super Bowl. And I'm told he wants $10 million a year. Not many teams have that. The Browns cleared up a lot of cap money last week. They could afford him, but they had their two starters back. They took, drafted Cedric Tillman. They traded for uh, uh, Moore, the receiver, I think, from the Jets. And then they signed free agent Marquise Goodwin. And so they have five, and Hopkins hadn't had a good year in two years. He's missed 15 games because of injuries and suspension. So he's not going to get the kind of money he wants. And it, Deshaun Watson's campaigning like crazy to try to get him there. So I'm going to say that's where he's going to end up because it doesn't look like the other ones. They, they have the money, kind of money he's talking to. He's made a lot of money. He's not married. He could call up Andy Reid and say, Coach, I want a chance to go to the Super Bowl every year. How about I sign a two-year deal for this, and you tell me what you'll pay me, and I'll take it, as long as it's not just the minimum, and they have a chance to win the Super Bowl both years. John, it's a cool story if DeMar Hamlin ends up on the cover, but just how low would you rank who is going to be on the cover of Madden in terms of off-season storylines for media to cover? Boy, I don't even know who the candidates are, but if you wanted the person to put on the cover that has created the most headlines and the most news on talk shows and online, be Aaron Rodgers and uh, put him on the cover. I don't know who the candidates are. Hamlin, if he's if he's the one, that'd be great because uh, it just gets so much attention. But nobody has got more attention going back to the last offseason over the last year 
than Aaron Rodgers. Because he's playing with the Jets, we're going to have to hear about him every day. I wish he'd go back into the darkness and never come out. Hey, but we were doing that in Green Bay, though. We were hearing about Aaron Rodgers every day or at least once a week when he went on McAfee. So, I, I mean, regardless of where he was, we were we were creating storylines based on what he would say. And no matter where McAfee goes, Aaron Rodgers will follow. Yeah. I, and, and make tons of headlines. Um, the storylines across the league this time of year, John, how much thought or, or energy do you give some of the headlines you see in the month of June for what takes place in the fall? Nothing. The only thing I pay attention to are injuries. Like uh, when I watch C.J. Stroud at practice and then I go on my radio station, I know they want me to – they don't want me to say I've never seen anything happen in OTA that had anything to do with the regular season unless somebody was injured. Never heard one guy in 47 years covering the NFL – Say, man, in December, if I'd have just done better in OTA, if I'd just paid a little more attention, or the reason I won all these awards is the way I started in OTAs. Nobody mentions OTAs. I was listening to these great reports about Anthony Richardson and all the good things he's doing. Well, if the quarterback's not doing well when he's not being rushed and the receiver's not being covered, something ought to be wrong. Something's wrong. So I should do all my shows. I yep. should go on. If you ask me about C.J. Stroud, I'm like, man, C.J. Stroud's hitting every pass. Uh, he's got great touch. He's accurate. He's moving well. He's throwing right, throwing left. He's been fantastic, but that wouldn't be true. John, I know a trade almost came together between the Dolphins and the Vikings for Dalvin Cook back in March. Didn't come together. But I'll ask you the same DeAndre Hopkins you know, hypothetical. If Dalvin Cook is cut by the Vikings, which we expect, Dolphins and who else makes sense as a team and an offense that could use Dalvin Cook, who's still a very good player? It would have to be a good team that has a chance to go to the playoffs like Miami, and that would be the perfect landing spot. I still can't believe they're going to get rid of him over money. They could do something to the contract, push some money forward. He started 17 games last season. He's a terrific receiver. But they're using analytics to show how his performance has declined. Well, sometime you got to look beyond analytics. But I, boy, if he's out there, he's going to have teams interested. But he's going to have the same problem DeAndre Hopkins. A lot of teams just don't have much money. New England, a team that has a lot of money, people are saying, well, Hopkins could end up there. And I'm like, him, Bill O'Brien hate each other, hate each other. All of a sudden, are they going to play kissy face and make up and forget about everything that happened here when he was traded after the 2019 season? I'm not sure what Miami has available, but he would be a natural fit there. And you put him in that lineup with those great receivers, they might have the most prolific offense in the NFL until Tua gets hurt. John McClain, the Pro Football Hall of Fame selector and the Pro Football Hall of Famer. John, thank you as always. We always enjoy these chats, and there's never-ending news when it comes to the NFL. Jonathan and Chad like there's never a dull moment. Thank you guys very much, and have a great rest of the day. Same to you. Thank you, John. John McClain there. He's echoing what we said about uh, PGA and, and Live Tour. 
Um, but just circling back briefly to what he's saying on the gambling issue across the NFL, where Isaiah Rogers Sr., um, he's already admitted that it was him on social media. Um, the, the he had, I thought was a very um, so. I thought he was very forthcoming in his apology. Like in terms of legitimate apologies, I thought his social media apology felt like he was truly sorry right. for what had gone on. Well, so I'm, I'm conflicted with this, Chad, because on one hand, it's on the player to know whatever the rule is or what, the, what, what you can and cannot do. On the other hand, I do get the feeling and the vibe from players I've talked to that – the NFL, and, and other, by the way, not just players, just people around the league in the league. The NFL jumped in with the the huge pot of money that came with all the, the FanDuel, DraftKings, uh, BetMGM, others. You know, the official betting partner of the NFL. Or they allowed individual organizations to structure their own contracts with local groups. I think they did that before they actually had any policy in place and then just kind of rolled it out. And we, they used Calvin Ridley as the example, the poster child of what not to do, but really didn't explain the difference between here and there. And you can do this on your own time, but you can't do it here. Uh, don't use the Wi-Fi from the facility if you're sitting in your car. I, uh, stupid, just the minutia of this, I think, is where I'm confused on what the players know and what they don't. I think it should be hard and fast, where you don't bet on the league, period. If you're betting on your team, don't care. Even if you're betting on the money line for your team to win. Don't care. Don't bet on the league. Anything else is wide open and legal in 21 states right now on your phone. I don't understand why if you're not in one of those states, if you land in one on a road trip and you're on the way to a team hotel and you want to put some money down on a college football game or whatever else is going on on that Saturday night, Chad, you referenced UFC. To me, that's a big difference in what is an indefinite suspension to a six-game suspension, which is the same amount of time that DeAndre Hopkins received for performance-enhancing drugs last year. To me, those things are not equal. And on one hand, the league is taking a boatload of cash. And on the other hand, there are players that are not paying attention to the fine print that's really costing them in, in, in their bank account. According to Rodgers, he's making $25 and $50 bets. And he's losing out on a full season worth, at least, of his contract. That is a huge difference. And it's on him. I mean, it's not, it's not like, oh, I, I didn't know what I was ingesting. Something must have been, you know, uh, something was, was in, the, in the vat before they made the over-the-counter medication I was taking. You know, that's the excuse for the PEDs. Still on you. You still pop for it. He got caught here. And there are watchdogs everywhere looking for this. One of two things is going to happen. They're going to get back to the table and actually discuss what's fair and what's not. Or they're going to have a lot more of these cases. And... If there is confusion, Chad, there's got to be more of this behind the scenes that's not being caught, and that's where the real issue is. It's either you don't think it's a big deal because only 10 or so players have been popped for this, have been caught for this, or they've only caught 10 of the plethora of people that are doing it, by the way, legally, just not within the structure of the CBA. It's an NCAA-esque level of commitment to minutia with the rules and a lack of understanding of common sense. That, that's what I see with it, Hutton, when you're going to punish someone a six-game suspension, the Jamison Williams example is the one I use. For being on a team bus and betting on a college football game or a UFC game, it's ridiculous that that is the punishment, that that to me should be a stern warning. 
at that point. I agree with the hard and fast rule about not betting on the NFL, but you can bet on anything else any other citizen of America could bet on on their phone, on their betting app. Um, I also was really struck by Logan Ryan and his answer when he was in studio with us. And Hunt, I forget who asked. It was either you or I about the policy and how, how well they know about it. Mm-hmm. And he kind of flippantly said, yeah, I mean, they send emails about that stuff like they do you know, any corporation, any business would send an email. And I'm thinking, if that isn't an email from NFL Players Association or the league and someone doesn't open it and you get popped because you bet on a UFC fight on a bus, that seems a little well, extreme to me. But also the agents, the agents have to get involved here too because their clients are losing out on a $25 or $50 bet. And by the way, according to the reports, you've got, you've got him where he's betting, what is it, uh, 100 different a hundred different bets. Yeah. And a, a vast involving the NFL. And a vast number of them were for his own team with the Colts. He also is, used an associate. Yeah, went through yes. That all that's problematic. But not every single issue is exactly the same. And I I, I think there is some confusion there. The agents have to get their guys under this umbrella of knowing what they can and can't do. And ultimately, I mean, let's face it, based on what the majority of the league makes compared to what the season salary represents for them, not everybody's getting the Joe Burrow-like contract extension. Uh, they're clawing their way. They're making good money, but they're clawing their way on the back end of a roster, hoping that they're not sent down to the practice squad after the game day wraps up on Sunday afternoon. It, it's, it's much more uh, punitive to the player than it is the league and the optics of it, personally. Um, that's why they, they've got to get under the, the radar of, here is the punishment. There are no ifs, ands, or buts about it. There's no confusion. This is what it is. And the agents, they have to protect their guys. I would mandate that they know what they can and can't do. And maybe they do, and they're acting like they don't. But either way, the NFL is trying to save face because for decades they said, we're not doing anything involving Vegas. If you worked for an NFL organization, you could not step foot in a casino. You're scared to lose your gig based on that. And now those same sports books are pouring cash, not just into the league, but the same organizations that don't allow certain members of the organization or any to step foot in a casino, even in the offseason. That's ludicrous. If I'm an agent, I know I'm talking about infringing on on personal rights and liberties or whatever, but if it's my client, I I just wouldn't even mess around with it because of what's at stake. Don't even allow it. Have a block on the phone that would not allow any sports betting app on your client's phone, as long as they're an NFL player. And then we'll just eliminate any chance that you make a mistake that could cost you millions of dollars. Chad, uh, coming up, I've been combing through social media, on uh, mainly Twitter, getting certain tweets and responses from what's taking place with the players meeting with Jay Monahan. Um, here's one. Uh, reports are that Tiger Woods found out about this this morning. Had no idea that this was coming down. There's plenty more reaction to that and what Monahan's saying and what he has said last year compared to now and the optics of using victims of 9-11 and pointing to the integrity of the PGA compared to the Saudi-backed live tour and what has happened earlier today with the merger of the two, the two tours. Um, we've got reaction to that and much more uh, straight ahead here on Hot Mike.
Glad you're with us across the Outkick Network for Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow, live at 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. They wrapped up the Cornhole Tournament, the Celebrity Cornhole Tournament here with the CMA Fest and uh, everything that Craig Campbell is doing to raise uh, awareness and, more importantly, funds for the research to help find a cure for colon cancers, the third leading cause of cancer-related deaths for both men and women across the United States. We've been reacting to a lot of coverage and opinion and statements and, and optics from the PGA Tour as they merge today with the Live Tour. We'll get back into that coming up in the final hour. Um, Chad, across the, the sports landscape, though, we've got, what, Game 3 coming up tomorrow night. Nice little wait as we wait on uh, the NBA Finals. And in, in regards to uh, the NBA, right now, once the, once the finals are done, the biggest news that we will know is in regards to uh, John Moran. I know I was out last Friday, but you mentioned you thought, in your opinion, they're going to lay down the hammer to him. Well, I think Adam Silver, not, not just on that, Adam Silver's comments about we have uncovered new information and it would be unfair to release that information now, so we're going to wait until after these teams are playing. Yeah. That does not sound like good news for John Moran. That did not sound like we have learned some exonerating information about John Morant and his suspension is going to be less. Hutton, I took that as there's other things we found out in our investigation that are not good for John Morant, and we're going to deal with that after. We don't want to take away the spotlight and the shine from our NBA Finals to talk about something negative like John Morant. That's the way I took it. Maybe I'm wrong, but none of this sounds good for Morant. Well, I think, too, like I mentioned this last week, um, as the finals got started, they also have to weigh, no matter what the suspension is, for how long, whatever, the debate is going to be whether or not it was fair and just based on the situation for Ja Morant. And the question I would have if I'm silver, if I'm just with the league or with the teams or period, do you want that conversation to be a part of the overall coverage of your NBA Finals, because it would. Instead of talking about how you go about stopping the best player right now in the world uh, with Jokic, it's turned to get Barkley and Shaq's opinion on whether or not they agree with the suspension for whatever it ends up being for Ja. That the conversation does turn a bit, and you would have players asked about it at the podium. It would be not a distraction. It's just a different course of conversation that I don't think they want a part of what they're doing. Because yeah, I mean, to I, their I credit, get the thinking behind To it. their credit, these playoffs have been very good. They've taken the political BS out of it on both sides, yep. and it's been about the sport. Imagine that. And that's what they're sticking to, at least to this point. It's been about the basketball, and all the drama has been player-coach generated. It has not been right. social justice generated. Right. And it's led to a better product in the NBA. And I understand the line of thinking that this is our premier series. We're going to make it about the basketball in the finals here. And yeah. they do get that extra kick of publicity where every show like ours is going to talk about the John Morant ruling after the NBA finals. That's also fair. So you wait until a week later and then suddenly, oh, wow, in a time where it's all Major League Baseball and gearing up for the NFL, suddenly we've got an NBA news cycle of two or three days where everyone's reacting to us laying the hammer down on the biggest young star in the game. So I think there's some benefit to that for the NBA to wait 
and create more news in a cycle where normally you wouldn't have any NBA news. Chad, they did get a Zoom link up for players not attending the Canadian Open. Oh, good job. To speak with, uh, with Monaghan. Jay Monaghan finally learned how to work uh, Zoom. You know, only three years removed from COVID-19 when everything was done on Zoom. This guy just now figured out, oh, here's where I click to join the meeting room. Yeah, now I can before. have Rory McIlroy hop on and give his two cents about this merger. <laughs> There's a press conference that's scheduled for five minutes from now with the media with Jay Monaghan. It doesn't sound like it's going to start on time. I know that because I'm following PGA Tours uh, pros right now. I've asked them to speak. They're speaking directly from the room, reacting to Jay Monahan. We have our reaction to that next.